This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. Just a couple wife guys recording out of Washington, D.C. Check out our website, districtsentinel.com. Got the garbage can coming out later. No uh, file follies this week. Uh, we've both been fairly busy. Uh, me, as a newlywed, Sam, I'm, Sam's got a kid, so he's busy uh, all the time. Um, but we do have a good show for you still today. Speaking of big new commitments, uh, I'm on Blue Sky right now. <laughs> Where did this come from? Where did Blue Sky I don't even know. come from? I hadn't heard of it until Thursday when everybody started talking about it. This is one of those new Twitter alternatives, except this one was actually uh, started by Jack Dorsey. <laughs> uh, and it is identical to Twitter, uh, at least like Twitter when it first started. Um, there are no DMs or anything. Um, and you can't block people on Twitter yet, which made for some. You mean uh, Blue Sky? Or on Blue Sky, excuse me. Yeah, you can't block people on Blue Sky yet, which uh, made for some pretty uh, funny occurrences on Thursday when Matt Iglesias decided to log in on Blue Sky. Yeah, you know, that moment when when I saw people posting about that, that was when I was I really started like I was like, yeah, give me a code, please. I, I want to I be on this website especially before the block button uh, gets created. Yeah, you would thrive right now on Blue Sky. And <laughs> like, as soon as I get an invite, the I'll send it that, to you, obviously. Thank you. I don't know how to get an invite on Blue Sky. Like, I thought I would get them as soon as I, someone, uh, a fan of, of Means TV and Sentinel Radio, DM me because I was tweeting, complaining about it, uh, DM me a code, which was very nice of them. But... Uh, I figured I'd get an invite as soon as I, I logged in, but you don't. And when you, it says I have zero invite codes and it says you don't have any invite codes yet. We'll send you some when you've been on blue sky for a little longer. So I hmm. guess it, like I started posting and liking and following people thinking that might trigger some invite codes, but it doesn't. Um, so we're now I'm getting I did get some pretty decent number like I'm getting decent numbers on my blue sky posts though <laughs> on on your skeets on my skeets I guess yeah I don't I don't know if it's <laughs> ah, been skeet, totally skeet. confirmed what they're what they're called yet but uh, oh is that my numbers, that was just a joke no I, <laughs> so, I don't I think it's people... a joke I don't know what it is I don't know what it, I think they're still trying to determine what to call them but they are being called skeets right now um <laughs> See, this makes me think that this is this is a poster's website. This is all that really matters. Is like this yeah. does does posting in its in its purest form uh, thrive on the platform? And like, I'm not trying to be cute about oh, we need to get off Twitter. Or, like, I'm not trying to posture. Like, I will probably be one of the last people to deactivate on Twitter. But since yeah. the Twitter Blue rollout. It's become increasingly clear that Elon Musk uh, does not—he <laughs> does not really care about this website, and that he just, you know, burned forty-four billion dollars on it either to try to game the stock market or to, like, you know, as a troll. And, I mean, ultimately, uh, he didn't even want to, right? He was forced to at the end right. of the day. And, he was forced to buy yeah. it. The Twitter people were like, forty-four billion? Are you fucking kidding me? Give me that shit. We're going." And, and he is the point I'm trying to make is that he is this is the the way this is headed is toward uh, a paywall for everyone. Him putting all of Twitter behind a paywall. And when that happens, the site will become officially unusable. Uh, in, in, in any case, it's it is trending toward unusable. So, oh, yeah. I need a release valve and it looks like blue sky, like things are happening. And if a guy like Iglesias is whining about like everyone flaming him, then honestly, it, that's promising. Yeah, He logged in, got flamed for a while, tried to figure out why he was getting flamed, asked the mods why there wasn't a block button yet, complained that people were threatening to harm him. 
and then said, I'm going to log off for a bit and try again in a few days. Try again someday. Six hours later, he was back on the website and getting flamed again. (laughs) So even he couldn't stay away. I mean, at the end of the day, Iglesias is a poster at heart, too. Uh, Just can't fucking stand him. But he, like, okay, granted, maybe he is getting actionable threats or real threats. I don't want to totally discount that possibility, but he's likely just reacting to people telling him that they want to dunk his head like a basketball and, like, smear whipped cream all over his body or something. Yeah. I think Twitter is already uh, fundamentally broken and... Not to sound, and I'm going to sound exactly like those dipshit conservatives who were complaining about being throttled a few years ago, but my numbers are in the tank on Twitter, and I don't post as much as I used to, uh, but I just get like very low quality numbers, and I think that since I'm not Twitter blue or whatever, that you, your posts get throttled. You, they're not picked up. Not as many people see them. And then I'm on Blue Sky and I'm just like doing dumb posts and getting over 100 likes and shit on them. Mm. It's like, damn. And I have and I have 100 followers. You know, I have like one 50th or way more than that of the followers on Blue Sky than I have on Twitter. Right. What what I have like 100 followers on Blue Sky and 18,000 on Twitter. I don't you know, you can. What's the math there? But, uh, you know. It's um, 180th or something. Uh, I'm not trying to do math on the fly. like. Anyways, <laughs> Twitter's broken. If I get the invite code, I'll send one to you. If any of our listeners have an invite code, send it to Sam on Twitter. We'll get the Sams uh, rocking on Blue Sky like we used to do back in the day on Twitter when we were uh, bullying people like Josh Trevino off the website. Yeah, that's right. Hey, did you see this uh, from Axios? Uh, Biden's close advisors say he's mentally sharp, but conceded that his age has diminished some of his energy, limiting his schedule. Same. Yeah, I feel you 100% on that, Joe. Uh, Joe, of course, announced he has officially announced his reelection campaign. Um, He's going to be like 82 or something when he's running, uh, and he's going to be probably going against Trump, who will be like 80-something uh <laughs> two deeply unpopular politicians uh the uh the biden schedule here uh in 2023 he's had just four public events before 10 a.m uh doesn't really have events on the weekends and the majority of his events happen between 10 uh, and 4 a.m 4 p.m 4 p.m excuse me 10 a.m and 4 p.m yeah, uh, work smarter, not harder. I mean, this is the most relatable thing about Biden. Absolutely. Everyone, sh- everyone should have this schedule. And, this should uh, be the Biden plan. I mean, I do think that obviously this is not, you know, some sort of master stroke and he's like clearly declining um, <laughs> as one does at that age. Uh but I do think that because uh, like they're both unpopular, Trump is going to put himself out there more. There's going to be more content of Trump, uh, which will galvanize the anti-Trump people. And Biden will just be sort of like hanging out in, in you know, in Washington and, and in Wilmington, just sort of like doing his thing. And, uh, you know, I think that, in a campaign with two deeply unpopular candidates, pulling back a little is probably a, a a shrewd move, even if it's, you know, like I said, totally unintended. Yeah, especially if your opponent has to navigate a bunch of different court dates and stuff. Yeah. Do you think Trump, do you think Trump will join Blue Sky? He's obviously committed to Truth Social at this point. Yeah, yeah, he'll get back on Twitter before he gets gets on Blue Sky. Um, I don't know. I think the blood is so bad that I could see him getting a sneaky. <laughs> getting he also he also hates again. Musk. He does. Oddly enough. 
speaking about our, our failing gerontocracy here, Senator Dianne Feinstein remains absent, which empowers Joe Manchin in the Senate. He suddenly becomes a more important vote and can swing legislation toward Republicans in the chamber, which he did this week when the uh, Senate voted to kill a clean energy rule aimed at reducing emissions in uh, heavy duty shipping trucks. Oh, wow. But you're you're not scolding John Fetterman, who was there for the vote for having missed prior (laughs) votes. People, Ro Khanna tweeted out the, 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 you know, this story and people were in his replies, like saying that, oh, like how, you know, how dare you not criticize John Fetterman, who again was there for the vote. Yeah, this is like, you know, I tweeted out a few weeks ago that someone needs to put out just a high quality deep fake of Feinstein resigning. And so that we can all just sort of accept it and move on. And uh, that still really needs to happen. And if, if Democrats were sharks, they would have been on that because who is driving that, that ship? Who is the captain of the ship? Is it just some like very, you know, stubborn and ambitious staffer who was like, you know, I am the last one on the Titanic and I will, you know, I will go down with the band. Uh, what is going on there? Uh, there's a, there's, there's a staff behind Feinstein that really want to keep their jobs. Um, but it is a big fucking mess. And last time we talked about this, she said that she would step back from the judiciary committee Well, in order to replace her, you need to pass legislation and Republicans are saying they won't support uh, legislation to do that. In the process, they're all white knighting like, oh, how dare the Democrats try to sideline a distinguished colleague like Dianne Feinstein. Who is temporarily absent. Yeah. Yeah. So it does give Democrats, though, some cover to not do anything about the corrupt Supreme Court. Because if they don't have a majority on the Judiciary Committee, they can't subpoena for Clarence Thomas's financial records and shit. Not that they would have anyway, but now they can at least tell reporters, oh, well, you know, we'd like to hold the uh, Supreme Court accountable, but we no longer have the votes in the Judiciary Committee. How pathetic of the Democratic majority right now in the Senate. They they have lost their majority in the Judiciary Committee, and they've effectively lost their majority in the main chamber because Joe Manchin likes voting with Republicans to, in some ways, despite Democrats, because he's also complaining on Fox News about how Biden isn't living up to his end of the deal when Manchin agreed to vote for the Inflation Reduction Act, that Biden hasn't invested more in domestic fossil fuel production. So Manchin's like, I'll vote to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. It's like, no, you're not going to be able to do that anytime soon. You're just, you're just mad and power hungry. And Dianne Feinstein being gone gives you that power. And next on the docket, uh, it could be higher wages for farm workers, those uh, famously lavish wages, uh, because Tom Tillis earlier this week, uh, he introduced a similar resolution under the Congressional Review Act to repeal a Department of Labor rule, which actually just reversed a Trump era rule. And this was this um, basically determines how wages are calculated under the farm worker visa program, the H two A visa program, which is a very abusive uh, program to bring over migrant laborers who, you know, they have no rights because their immigration status is tied to their job. They have to uh, live on farms in conditions that are sometimes uh, pretty fucking squalid. And uh, yeah, Senate Republicans now want to make sure these people are paid uh, 
lower. I don't want to say as low as possible, but as low as politically possible. And, you know, I could see this being the sort of thing that maybe not Mansion, but maybe cinema would support. And Congressional Review Act resolu- resolutions obviously can be vetoed by the president. But who knows with Biden? I mean, he, he, he seems most himself when he's fondly reminiscing about reaching across the aisle to work with Strum Thurmond. So maybe he will, like, maybe the Senate will pass a slew of these and the House will vote on him and Biden will be like, oh, I'll, I'll be the compromiser and he'll agree to one or two of them. You could see that happening. I could see it happening. We could all see it happening. Yeah. Well, the White House did say that they will veto the uh, clean energy rule with trucks. But uh, if enough of these CRAs get passed, you're right. Uh, and if if one of them falls on Biden's desk before the hours of 10 a.m. or after the hours of 4 p.m., <laughs> uh, who the hell knows what might happen? Uh, did you see Ron DeSantis meltdown at a reporter for asking him about his time at Guantanamo Bay? Uh, I saw that video being shared, but I also just sort of figured that Ron DeSantis is a non-entity on the national level at this point. So I didn't feel that compelled to click on it, but I probably should have because it sounded like it was a pretty good meltdown. Well, yeah, he just got really aggravated real fast and his defense was, Nobody would know who I was or what I did at the time anyway, so why are you <laughs> believing that? <laughs> Governor, during your uh, time at Guantanamo, did you get the same No, no, none of all that's BS. No, totally, totally BS. Yeah. Did you say you were present during yeah. Yeah. Is, is that, is that, Who said that? How would they know me? Okay, think about that. Do you honestly believe that's credible? So this is 20, 2006. I'm a junior officer. Do you honestly think that they would have remembered me from Adam? Of course not. They're just trying to get into the news because they know people like you will consume it because it fits your preordained narrative. Uh, well, uh, one former Gitmo inmate, Monsoor Adaifi, uh, does remember DeSantis and has been giving interviews about seeing DeSantis present at one of these force feeding sessions that used to occur regularly at Guantanamo, which uh, by some definitions is torture. Um, if people are unfamiliar with what force feeding entails, it requires a person to be shackled and have tubes stuck down their throat and up their nose. Uh, that are extremely painful. Um, and Monsoor talks about, I mean, at, at the time, DeSantis was in the Navy and he was an attorney. And the allegation is that DeSantis was present for these sessions to make sure people weren't being tortured. But DeSantis is denying ever being even present uh, at these sessions. And also... They are fundamentally torture. So in a way, his role is just to be there to like legally okay something that should be illegal. Anyways, uh, Mansoor gave an interview with Democracy Now! recently. I'll just read what he says. Quote, uh, during the feeding, a group of officers arrived with the interpreters, with the interrogators, camp staff, medical staff. They were behind the fence. And I saw one of them was Ron DeSantis in a military uniform. And he was... While I was screaming, yelling because I couldn't breathe of the insure, which is the formula they put down people's throats. While I was screaming, yelling because I couldn't breathe of the insure and was like I was bleeding because they really inserted the thick tube through my nose. So I was like calling them, asking, and he was actually laughing, looking at the other officers and smiling. So this is my first encounter. Second encounter with the Ron DeSantis. The first before the force feeding he came to talk to us and other prisoners Second time I saw him, like twice, while on the force feeding. And I would like to highlight really important things here, Mansoor adds. Quote, he was there. Uh, He wasn't there, like, to give orders. He wasn't involved directly in the force feeding. I didn't see him giving any orders to the guards, but he was there, like, supervising, watching. When I asked other prisoners who were also in the force feeding if they saw him, they said yes. One of them at least told me he sent a message. He said he was there, too. So multiple yeah. people at, at Guantanamo say Ron DeSantis was there. 
Yeah, I think that um, his claims of no one would remember me uh, are sort of undermined by, yeah, that time I was getting tortured, this one psycho guy kept laughing. Like, I think that's something you would probably never forget. Yeah, especially uh, if it's Meatball Ron. Although this was before Meatball Ron came came around. Meatball Ron's incarnation came later. Uh, the uh, the DeSantis campaign is totally imploding. Uh, major donors are like saying that they don't want to donate to a candidate who refuses to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> like he won't get on a phone call with anybody because <laughs> he doesn't like talking on the phone, which hey, neither do I. But uh, I'm not running for president. Um, meanwhile, Trump is out here quoting, or at least he thinks he's quoting Lenin, or I should say Lenin. You know, Lenin, Lenin, did anyone ever hear of Lenin? He said, the vote counter is far more important than the candidate. Has anyone ever heard that's Lenin, Lenin, as they say, as they say in Russia. Did, did Lenin ever say that? No, I believe that was Stalin or Stalin. <laughs> Stalin. Stalini. Stalini. <laughs> Lenin. He gets it right once. I love that, how he does get it right once, but then immediately reverts to Lenin. Well, he says it like someone had recently just corrected him or convinced him that that was the correct way to say it. And he wanted to show off to everybody that he knows the correct way to say it. So he kept saying it over and over again. In and Russia. then when nobody knew what the fuck he was talking about, he finally said Lenin at the end. <laughs> They're like, who is Lenin? What is, what is he talking about? Well, we have another Russia related story. Coming up next, a Senate committee held a hearing Wednesday on an event that happened 10 years ago this month, which uh, we are still somewhat obsessed with, the Boston Marathon bombing. And uh, we feel that way because the mastermind of the attack, Tamerlan Sarnayev, was likely an FBI snitch, or at least there's a lot of evidence bolstering the theory, which has been detailed by investigative journalist Michelle McPhee. Tamerlan was allowed by DHS to travel to Russia in 2012, even though he was on terror watch list and reportedly had been investigated by the FBI. He also didn't have a passport on his reentry. That reminds me, by the way, a lot of Lee Harvey Oswald in terms mm. of him being able to go to the fucking Soviet Union, disclose secret U-2 spy flights there, allegedly, and then come right back, waltz right into the United States, no problem whatsoever. Yeah, and it, it, it was especially sketchy in Tamerlan's case because while he was in Dagestan, two high-level terror targets were killed by the Russian government. Uh, uh, he had either met with or communicated with them. That's that The timing there is a little sus. Also, it was weird that Tamerlan was even going to Russia because his family had claimed asylum in the U.S. after fleeing Russia. Tamerlan also really wanted U.S. citizenship, and the FBI often targets such people as potential informants, people who are desperate to uh, get some immigration status in the United States. It was also never really proven that the Tsarnaev brothers made the bombs that were detonated at the marathon finish line in 2013. The official version of the story relies on a handwritten confession allegedly made by Jahar Tsarnaev in the hospital, which his own lawyers tried to have thrown out in court, by the way. Uh, also, three people who Tamerlan knew were killed in a grisly murder in Waltham, Massachusetts in 2011. And one of his associates, a man named Ibrahim Todashev, was killed was killed while being interviewed by FBI agents one week after the bombing. But so, but but only killed after Todashev signed a confession that he was involved in those murders. And then suddenly after he signed the confession, he got real violent with the three FBI agents there and they had to shoot him to death. As one does, you know? <laughs> the classic written murder confession slash try to kill the people who made you do it thing. 
So, look, I mean, this is all to say that this is this is not lizard people stuff. This is not Clinton body count stuff, okay? There are other instances of FBI informants, former FBI informants, doing crimes and being protected by their status. But if you were hoping they'd discuss this at the hearing this week, well, I probably should have mentioned that the hearing was before the Homeland Security Committee, which, you know... Basically, it seems like it exists to protect the uh, the national security state, the, oh, yeah. the surveillance state, because obviously the Department of Homeland Security shouldn't exist, uh, but the people who staff the committee very enthusiastically, I don't think they share that opinion. That's an upside we don't talk about enough about getting rid of the Homeland Security Department is you'd also get rid of the Homeland Security Committee. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least it would change to some other shitty committee or something. I don't know. But anyway, so he, here's here's what the committee heard uh, relevant to this uh, whole thread that I mentioned. And this is this is the testimony of former FBI Assistant Director Carrie Sleeper. One of the most important lessons learned in the intelligence and information sharing efforts was that Tamerlan Sarnoff was a subject of an FBI assessment prior to the bombing. The assessment alleged that he appeared to be radicalizing with potential ties to foreign terrorist organizations, although the assessment was eventually closed for lack of additional information. And here was follow-up from committee chair Maggie Hassan, New Hampshire Democrat. Hassan asks the tough questions like, on a scale of one to awesome, describe the FBI, then how can we help? You need more money? Need money? Need more money? She doesn't actually say that about the money thing, but clearly that's like the undercurrent here. Some have argued that the Boston Police Department could have done more to prevent this attack if the FBI had provided the information to them. So how did the Boston Marathon attack impact information sharing between federal and state and local agencies? And are there other aspects of information sharing that you think still need improvement? So in other words, no one in Washington at all seems interested in uh, pursuing this whole FBI informant angle that you know, there's there's a lot of evidence of FBI negligence, and that's putting it, you know, conservatively in one of the worst post 9-11 terror attacks. So I would say that we're going to need a mini series to bust this one open, but I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, because we actually got a mini series on Netflix all about the uh, Boston Marathon bombings that came out in the last two weeks, and I watched it out of curiosity to see if they would cover any of this stuff. And of course they don't. Uh, they didn't explore any of the possible FBI connections, which as you say, aren't some fringe crank shit you find online. Um, reputable reporters have followed up on this and raised a lot of questions. Uh, Johar's defense team uh, tried to introduce a lot of this stuff into evidence, but were denied. Uh, the ability to do so. Um, instead, the documentary was interviewing a bunch of cops who patted themselves on the back. Uh, even though it's a fucking miracle that more people weren't killed based on how cops were just firing their guns over all over Watertown for 24 hours. From the shootout that first happened... Um, where cops instigated a shootout with the suspects and and bullets went all over people's houses to when they had Joe Carr in the boat. And of course, everybody wants to capture this guy alive. I mean, you would think everybody wants to capture this guy alive. The public would want to get this guy to find out, you know, were you working with anybody? What's the deal? This is strange. Let's get some questions answered. The cops unload hundreds of bullets into the fucking boat. Miraculously, he survives. So, you know, the fact that they were even able to capture any of them, let alone one of them alive, is despite the best efforts of police to kill them uh, and, and fuck up the whole thing. 
Yeah, and the, the political climate around this was really weird. I remember uh, being out, <clears throat> I think we were out together actually at some bar on U Street. It was after uh, Jahar was was taken into custody and like people were chanting like USA and shit, like randomly. It's like, what, why? Yeah. What is wrong with you? Do you have like some sort of, you know, compulsion <laughs> to chant USA? I don't know. But Same it was shit as when Bin Laden was killed. Yeah, but okay, that was that was really obviously that was crass, but it was somewhat understandable. Like nine eleven was nine eleven, you know. Yeah, but it was like ten years after nine eleven, and like after two wars had been started, and yes. it was all clearly a mistake. And then yeah, yeah, sure, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But think of how many people made a ton of money selling Boston Strong merchandise. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I I know. I was actually up there a few weeks after it happened just by chance and the Boston Strong merch was was flying off the shelves. All right, so no file follies this week. Uh Sam, you're still working through a bunch of documents. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was going to mention um I've been going through the uh USPS emails um and I'm on like 4,400 out of like 5,800. Um, needless to say, most of it is not newsworthy. Um, but one does feel the need to uh, scour these documents. And there have been some interesting things that have come up, which um, we will get to. We will get to. Okay. Okay. And as always, you can uh, slide into our DMs on Twitter if you have any ideas for File Folly segments. Yeah, that's right. I will dutifully uh, consider your request and uh, likely execute it if it is executable. All right. Interns, bring out the garbage can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, it's stinky. Very stinky garbage can. It's been uh, stewing in its own juices for two weeks here with the lid on. Take that baby off. It is fucking stinky. That's good interns right there. Thank you. Got that garbage, Brian. Garbage candidate number one. Not just Tucker Carlson, who got fired from Fox News, but also Tucker's online cucks. It's day five, day six, day seven. What? I, by the time you're listening to this, I don't know what day it is. Of most annoying, self-proclaimed anti-imperialists online, whinging about a racist cable news host and one of the loudest voices for war with China, getting his ass fired. Talking about the crew of people who are who are whining that Fox News just got rid of the one of the only anti-imperialist voices in major media. Glenn Greenwald tweets, quote, the removal of Tucker means the elimination of the only real sustained dissent on U.S. militarism, the U.S. security state and more. Then in quotations, Laura and Jesse Waters are the only others in prime time near that. Glenn trying wow. to uh, secure his invite uh, on their shows now that yeah. he's lost his regular invite on Tucker Carlson's show. This is this is really embarrassing. Like Greenwald is now just one of those people who thinks that everything on TV is real. <laughs> uh, <laughs> same with. Same with Aaron Maté, who writes, quote, it's just a fact that on certain issues, Ukraine, neocons, Syria, dirty war, Assange censoring dissenters. He was more accurate. He referring to Tucker Carlson was more accurate adversarial than anyone else on TV and most leftist media. Mm. Disagree with uh, like 95 percent of that, but. Hey, you know. <laughs> I like I like how he brings up neocons. Tucker Carlson is a neocon. 
He just does. He just thinks that the target of the U.S. imperial state is wrong right now, that it should be directed at China instead of Russia. That is his problem. Glenn's big evidence. Glenn tried to say that Tucker was against the um, the embargo on Cuba, and his big evidence was a screenshot of of a YouTube video that said Greenwald and Carlson discussed the Cuba embargo. <laughs> Uh, a former colleague of ours, Anya Parampil, quote, Tucker Carlson has done more to disrupt the imperial drumbeat to war than all of the professional anti-imperialist cosplayers currently celebrating his ouster will ever accomplish in the entirety of their joyless, anxiety-ridden lives combined. Sad. What the fuck? Again, like, if, if you're going to call Tucker Carlson an anti-imperialist, I'm just going to assume you agree that we should be going to war with China. What planet do these fucking people live on? Like they are just letting, you know, hatred of MSNBC dictate their entire worldview, which is just so fucking, you know, it's so brain poison. Yeah, it is. It really is. All right, moving on. Garbage candidate number two, Montana Republicans. They've banned state rep Zoe Zephyr from the chamber floor. This is very similar to events we saw a few weeks ago in Tennessee, where the GOP majority in the state house there expelled two black lawmakers for what they claimed was a breach of decorum rules in the chamber. Um, in Montana, Zephyr was also accused of breaching decorum. Because she said that in a speech against an anti-trans piece of legislation that was being advanced, she accused supporters of the bill of having blood on their hands. Uh, So the Montana Freedom Caucus freaked out and said that uh, that she had broken these rules. Of course, they misgendered her. Uh, Zephyr herself is trans, which is what's really behind all this. Uh, The first trans lawmaker in the state um and they immediately now have prevented her from engaging in any debate now for the rest of the the session she has to sit outside on a bench she can still vote but only remotely but she can't debate any bills for the rest of the session man these (sighs) fascists (laughs) yeah fascist fragile fascist fucks these uh yeah Remember like two years ago when the when free speech was like the topic du jour of dipshits online? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Garbage candidate number three, Steven Crowder, who uh turns out is an abusive piece of shit. Wow, I'm shocked. I'm surprised. The 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 guy who uh is talk constantly talking about how it was a mistake for women to enter the workplace to get the right to vote. Guy who's constantly going on racist tirades. Uh, turns out he uh, treats his wife like shit, and now she wants a divorce. Um, Crowder announcing uh, he is getting a divorce and railing against Texas's no fault divorce laws, which is pretty much the law in most states and all states where women. Don't need a reason to get a divorce. They can just leave their husband. Uh, It pisses off dudes like Crowder who want their wives to be considered their property. Anyways, new video has been released of uh, looks like ring video from the Crowder household of where he's berating his wife for not doing wife duties around the house, uh, including like picking up the groceries like she didn't get his meat and wood chips for the grill. (laughs) She's like. 36 weeks pregnant in this video yes, or something his pregnant She's wife, like, yes you know i know people don't like the term very pregnant because you're either pregnant or you're not but she is very pregnant in this video yes. yes and he is like emotionally abusing her and berating trying her for to not deny her the car duties. yeah not allow- allowing her to have the car and shit really gl- gross stuff but uh Remember, this is a guy that Ben Shapiro's The Daily Wire 
wanted to throw $50 million at for four years, like professional athlete type money at Steven Crowder. Uh, and he didn't take it because he thought he deserved more. And I guess he got more from Rumble, Glenn Greenwald's Rumble, where he's working there. That's where he has a show now. Well, it turns out uh, he's an abusive piece of shit. Uh, looking forward to uh, Greenwald defending this guy online, too. Yeah, Greenwald will be like, oh, this is an invasion of privacy. And this is basically, you know, proves my point that liberals love the NSA. Oh, liberals love cop technology like ring cameras, I see. I assume, by the way, it was released by uh, the former Mrs. Crowder. I'm guessing it was, yeah. Because how, you know, it's not like I sincerely doubt that someone hacked this and like knew, you know, to go. You know what I mean? Like this is this is obviously leaked by her because he is a piece of shit. Speaking Gar- of divorce, guys. Yeah, garbage candidate number four, Elon Musk. And this isn't even about his managing of Twitter, which is total trash, or uh, his constant transphobic rants on the website, which he did again this week. Um, we're talking about the big fucking rocket he launched and exploded last week on 420. Uh, he just wrecked the environment with the Starship launch. In order to get a license for the launch from the FAA, SpaceX assured everyone that there won't be debris da- or damage outside the one mile radius of the launch site. Environmentalists called bullshit on that, and turns out they were right. The launch actually created a massive plume of ash and concrete that traveled as far as six and a half miles away from the launch site. From Reuters, quote, a resulting plume of concrete dust drifted as far as six and a half miles to the northwest, according to the Fish and Wildlife Service. Pulverized material fell over tidal flats in the area and on Port Isabel, a town near the state's far southeastern tip, said agency spokesperson Aubrey Buzek. An environmental assessment that the agency approved last year for the recently expanded Starbase facility envisions blastoff debris remains within a 700-acre, approximately one square mile zone around the launch pad. Concrete chunks and metal shrapnel flung thousands of feet from the launch pad would likely have landed in critical habitat for the piping plover, a shorebird, on the endangered species list. Endangered species list. A lot of this has to do with the fact that the launch site didn't have flame diversions on it like you see nasa employ when they have uh giant uh uh like water cannons that inundate the rocket as it goes up to reduce the vibrations and the damage to the launch pad must didn't have any of that shit he did note on twitter that they uh were installing some steel plates but that they weren't ready in time for the launch which would seem to be a critical part of the launch to not destroy your launch pad, but Musk had to do the launch on 420. So uh, they weren't ready in time. They weren't ready in time. Epic. I I read another account of of people in Port Isabel like fearing for their lives as, as all this space junk was like raining outside on their town like some apocalyptic you know fucking storm event (laughs) and uh yeah but hey on the on on the plus side maybe the some of the shrapnel was shaped like bacon which is epic yeah musk still calling the launch a success the faa though has revoked starship's license for more launches pending uh an entire review of what went wrong um Again, uh, they're claiming this is a success because Musk is claiming it's a success because the rocket cleared the launch pad, even though it destroyed the fucking launch pad and then had to be blown up four minutes after flight because the separation separation stage didn't occur. The rocket started tumbling uncontrollably, so it had to be detonated. Mission success. there There are like decades of economics guys saying that like, the Soviet Union was uniquely like deceptive and uh, incompetent because there was no private sector. And like, you know, th- this 
this is their world. Like this is this is the world they wanted to build. And, you know, it's it's been said before, but all the criticism they have about the Soviet Union applies to the uh you know, the neoliberal capitalist state where you can have an incompetent private company just like fucking blow up a rocket cuz it's you know eccentric billionaire owner wanted to launch on 420 and you know people pay the price the environment takes one for the team and he's up there like declaring it a success <laughs> yeah i've heard people say oh well they've got a bunch more rockets to go they've got like 20 and, of them to go they can afford to do this and it's like what's and, better go ahead and like everyone in the press was was reprinting the spacex press release they're like well you know it was a success they did learn a lot from this yeah and nasa is also on an ambitious rocket project right now with the space launch system which is sending people back to the moon in a few years uh they didn't blow up any space space launch system rockets on the launch pad now they only tried it once like and it worked (laughs) um and it was unmanned it was automated like like this other like starship was but i've seen musk defenders say oh well they've got a bunch of rockets ready to go it's okay they can waste a few they'll get to the they'll get to the end quicker than nasa by doing that starship has been in development for over a decade (laughs) like musk said over a decade ago that this ship would take people to mars he hasn't even been able to get it into orbit he hasn't been even able to get it close to space without destroying the launch pad uh elon please please ride one of your rockets is all (laughs) is all i can say yeah all right, garbage candidate number five, Senator Kirsten Cinema, who I'm surprised by this, is going to try to make a go for re-election, even though she's left the Democratic Party. She's going to run as an independent. Um, I was for sure that she was just going to cash out and be a lobbyist, but um, she instead is relying on the crypto industry to keep her in the Senate. Oh, yeah. This is from The Intercept, quote, oh, in the yeah. last three years, Cinema has taken in almost a half million dollars from crypto businesses and investors in 2021 as her position on regulating crypto eased she raised at least $175,000 in campaign cash from the industry between 2022 and 2023 her campaign has received more than $330,000 from crypto companies and firms with crypto holdings Whew. well uh the good news uh, about that is that money might not be around by the time she needs it. <laughs> All right, finally, garbage candidate number six, Bernie Sanders, uh, who endorsed Joe Biden already this week. Look, I'm, I don't really care that much. I'm not surprised. But, I mean, you can hold out for a bit longer there, Bernie can hold out a bit longer before. I mean, there's a lot of standard Democrats who haven't even endorsed Joe Biden yet. Um, I do think it is kind of funny how disrespectful it is to Marianne Williamson, though. Uh, Well, I mean, look, I will say this, is that if you care about a Democratic Party primary this time around, you're barking up the wrong tree. Absolutely. Like... If you care about enacting the sort of change that Bernie Sanders has talked about for the past, you know, his whole career, uh, you need to start thinking outside of our shitty electoral system because it is fucked and it is rigged against us. And, you know, like, especially the president, the president, the president of the United States is not necessarily something that, you know, serious socialists should aspire to be. And, like, I don't know. I I, I just feel like I'm not surprised Bernie um, made this endorsement. Um, I just think he should have waited. It maybe, I don't know, tried to... (laughs) 
talk more about how he's not running and how he wants to encourage his supporters to, um, you know, organize their workplace, organize, you know, in their, uh, in their building against their landlord, organize against it in their community and then wait, you know, just wait and endorse Biden later. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Instead of instead of endorsing Biden four months after Biden broke a major rail strike, uh, yeah, go out there and and put the unions in a stronger position to uh, demand concessions from the Democratic Party. If anything, which you know, I don't even think that that is a a very fruitful endeavor at this point. But uh, yeah, he's yeah he's much better rallying workers to improve their own lives and their workplaces. And helping them at least get on a stronger footing against very powerful employers that he can take on in the media um, than getting involved in presidential politics here. All right. I'm, sure pe- I'm sure people will seize on my comments to say, oh, Sam doesn't believe in state power. It's like, eh, no, I just I think that the United States government is built to do one thing, which is uh, – help capital reproduce itself yeah and right. it yeah anyway who's going in the garbage can this week um not bernie obviously no. uh no. tucker cox or kirsten cinema maybe that that kind of also Stephen that story Crowder sort of flew there. under the radar there and, and crypto is so skeezy yeah Let's throw Tucker and his cucks in. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Tucker Carlson and his cucks are going to the garbage, garbage can. can. Smell you later, losers. Enjoy, enjoy, uh, uh, you know, being cannon fodder on the front lines of, of the anti-war showdown with China. Fox. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your support. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode we're here in dc so you don't have to be